Today I'm getting to sit down with Morgan Day and Stephen Carvello, two developers involved with the creation of the Fractures of Time mega dungeon, Dawn of the Infinite. Let's get into it. For Kalendor. To the burning region. For Gilneas. For Kazmatan. For the Lich King. For the Sindorai. For the Alliance. For the Horde. For Azeroth! Uh, first, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to uh, talk with me today. I know you have a lot to deal with, so once again, thank you both. Uh, for those who don't know you, could you introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, I'm Steven Cavallero. I'm a senior encounter designer on the World of Warcraft team, and I helped bring the Mega Dungeon Dawn of the Infinite to life. Hello, my name is Morgan Day. I am one of the associate game directors on World of Warcraft. And apparently I am red slash purple at the moment. <laughs> we'll see if I can't fix my webcam. Sorry about that. Oh, wait. There it goes. Okay. Well, uh, yes, we're here to talk about the Mega Dungeon. I'm very excited. I love Mega Dungeons in, in general, and uh, I love the Infinite Dragon. So this is this is the peanut butter sandwich for me coming together. Um, The... Mega Dungeon, as we've seen on the PTR, we start going right in hot pursuit after uh, the current threat. So clearly there's some story that leads up to that. Um, based on that, are we going to see the Mega Dungeon right on the opening of the patch? Or is it something that we will need to do some story before we unlock it? Yeah, so uh, the goal here is to be able to go into the Mega Dungeon on on release and be able to experience, you know, the encounters and 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 the story in there. There there is questing content uh, prior, uh, at least at at this time. And Morgan, um, if, if this is something that you maybe can shed up, shed light on, uh, I, the actual requirement to 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 do a, a breadcrumb quest to enter the Mega Dungeon is not something that would prevent you from actually doing it. Um, uh, so yeah, we, we want players to be able to feel like they can get in that content right away. But um, yeah, there there is some some lead up quest lines, including uh, involving a one of the characters found in in Dawn of the Infinite, um, Morchi, uh, and you get to kind of see some some of her stuff early. Uh, of course, Morchi is the um, evil version of Chromie, the the infinite version of Chromie. So awesome. Yeah, I mean, certainly with Mega Dungeons, I want to say all the way back in Legion when we added um, Return to Karazhan, there was. Uh, you know, kind of like the old school attunement quests, right? Where you had to kind of complete the quest before you could zone in. But that was something that we pretty quickly, you know, heard feedback on from the players. Uh, they just want to log in and, and play with their friends and do the stuff, right? So we still have a lot of really cool questing surrounding the Mega Dungeon, but that stuff is all optional. It's not something that would be required for you to do before or after you complete it. And so with the Mega Dungeon, obviously, those have been very story-driven. We've been chasing... Uh, outlaws through Cares, uh, sorry through Kazavesh, uh, and we have been trying to find like the answers in uh, Mechagon. But with this one, it's a segment of the story, but it's not the complete story. There's some stuff that happens before, and without going into spoilers, it seems like the story continues after the dungeon. Are we going to be seeing um, stories kind of gated like we saw with ten point one? Uh, um point five or sorry rather 10.1 with the raid where there was story before and after or is it going to be just all like one big chunk that we can eat uh, uh right away so yeah you know certainly uh, following 
the completion of Dawn of the Infinite, there there will be some follow-up, uh, you know, some quests and, and some stuff that would be, you know, part of future content updates as well. But I think we were we we really wanted to make sure that the bulk of the story we're telling with with this content update occurs um, you know, before and then into and during Dawn of the Infinite itself. And so, you know, kind of as a as a, I guess going back a little bit, there's sort of two main plot lines, right, that are sort of converging right now in the Dragonflight story. And one of them is the Bronze Dragonflight's plot line with Chromie trying to protect her, her leader, as Dormu from sort of this ultimate fate of becoming Murazond. And there's the, the Primal Incarnate storyline, in particular interest to to this content update, uh, Fractures in Time, a Riddicron's plot and what he wants to do, what his plan is. And so ultimately, um, with Dawn of the Infinite, we're sort of bringing those storylines together and trying to tell uh, more about Riddicron's motivations, um, but also sort of uh, trying to really go into whether or not Chromie can stop Nosdormu from becoming Murazon. And you'll see that play out uh, during uh, Dawn of the Infinite. And we're super excited about being able to sort of take that mainline plot and introduce it in uh, a mega dungeon in a way that we haven't really done before. You know, uh, uh, previous mega dungeons have had some really cool side storylines, um, but this is really the main driving plot of Dragonflight being pushed forward here. Yeah, and on top of that, you know, as we mentioned, um, there would be questing before, but also there, yeah, there are some quests that open up uh, that and become available once you've completed the, the mega dungeon. Um, also, you know, I don't want to get into spoilers here, but, you know, the community has kind of come to, you know, love and appreciate a lot of these really awesome IGCs and the videos that come out alongside this content. And there were definitely some encrypted things that players will have to wait until, uh, you know, the launch of Fractures in Time to see. Um, but additionally, in addition to that, um, kind of a also, also, uh, <laughs> This is we're doing something a little bit unique in a similar vein that you know normally the mega dungeons come out with the major patches and where this time we're doing it in dot uh, five with uh, fractures in time. We want players to be able to experience this from a story perspective as as it, it, even for the player type who might not be um, who might not normally do a lot of the like kind of organized more challenging content. So we're actually going to be splitting the mega dungeon in two, similar to what we've done in the past, but much earlier than we have in the past. We're going to be adding the uh, of, of ability to queue for heroic um, Dawn of the Infinite as two kind of halves of a dungeon in 1017. So that will be right you know, kind of around the corner after we come out with Fractures in Time where people will be able to experience that even if they're not, even if they don't want to do it, uh, you know, as a mythic mega dungeon. Wow, okay. So it's coming in 10.1.7. I was, my assumption would have been that it would have been with the next season that we would have gotten both the split for uh, heroic versions and for possibly mythic plus. Actually, mm -hmm. uh, that is a question. Uh, is... Are we going to see this in the Mythic Plus rotation in the next season? Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, I mean, that was part of the motivation there with um, splitting the dungeon into the Heroic for 1017 was, um, one, you know, we want to see this into go into the Season 3 Mythic Plus pool. But also, as Steven mentioned, like, this is a really important thrust of the story for uh, Dragonflight. So we want players to be able to experience that prior to going into the next season. Okay. Now... The other part of it is that when you're doing it as the big, one big chunk mega dungeon, um, that has a lot of difficulties 
mainly, you know, getting a team together that can go through all of that. And when the difficulty of the actual encounters is higher, sometimes you get some teams that can't fully complete it. Uh, is this dungeon relatively as uh, as challenging as previous mega dungeons, or where have you guys kind of positioned it? Yeah, I, I think this is definitely a really interesting kind of kind of thing to to, to think about, and you know, it, it's it's something that we try to do in terms of like with Dawn of the Infinite, think about ways to. <clears throat> Uh, you know, service different buckets of the community in different ways to make sure that, you know, all our players feel satisfied with the content offering that they have. Um, one of the things that we're actually doing differently with Dawn of the Infinite compared to the other mega dungeons is we are intentionally releasing it at uh, at a difficulty level that will require more coordination that is similar to raids. Um, it, you know, it's more of a smaller raid-like experience for a smaller group of players. Um and we are doing that because there's there's been um, there's definitely been you know outreach in the community asking for more uh, smaller sized instanced content that is still challenging because you know not everyone uh, either has the time or has the uh, you know I mean a variety of reasons why you might not be able to raid with 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 a twenty person team on a weekly basis on a scheduled basis, right? But you still want to do challenging end game content for for meaningful rewards, and so this was a way to sort of offer that. Um, and I think it's it's you know it's it's a nice uh, juxtaposition to something like Mythic Plus, which we're super you know excited about and happy about. Um, but there's you know there's there's a timer. It's a very different type of experience, and you might have like in a traditional raid where you're like progressing through bosses and you're learning encounters and you're you're spending ten minutes you know five minutes talking to each other about okay what do what do we want to try this time let's strategize let's think about how we want to try to approach this, and so we wanted to try to take that experience and have it in Dawn of the Infinite at launch. And so you might be familiar with how previous mega dungeons like Tazavesh have had like a hard mode that you could turn on. Right with Dawn of the Infinite, that's essentially baked in to the dungeon. It is how it is at launch. It is the default difficulty. It is notably, you know, more difficult than a regular Mythic dungeon. But to reiterate Morgan's point, this is why we felt it was so important for us to get heroic out sooner in 1017 than we normally would, because we do want to make sure that we're allowing all of our players, you know, to experience the content because it has some, you know, important story elements. It's it's a mainline storytelling device for us and so it's important that we got that out earlier to to you know coincide with the increase in difficulty and and i mentioned it as well but we are you know aware that if we're going to have an increase in difficulty we, we want to make sure that players feel rewarded so the rewards this time around are going to be uh you know comparative to like taz of S, for example um more 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 uh, powerful uh it's something that we think is important and as an example you know the power level of the gear will be uh, sort of around what you would expect to drop from an end end of raid heroic boss, um, and and that's that's sort of the level of power that's being targeted. But I think even beyond just the raw item level, we're we're, we're trying some interesting things with like different effects on some of the items to make them feel thematically tied to Dawn of the Infinite, to the idea of time and time travel. And so I think a lot of players will find some of those effects to be interesting and unique, and they'll want to you know pick them up and play around with them, sort of regardless of of the item level itself. And then even beyond that, we want to make sure that players that are interested in, in you know, cosmetics like proto, proto Dragon Companion skins or Transmog, you know, collectors have something to, to go for in there as well. And so, um, as an example, you'll be able to collect uh, uh, Infinite Dragonflight Dragon Scales for your Proto Dragon Companions. Um, 
there's some secrets we don't want to really talk too much about, but I think that transmog fans and collectors will be excited about some, some things that are going to be in there as well. So I think there's a lot for players to sort of, uh, you know, get in terms of rewards from, 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 from running Dawn of the Infinite. And, and we're, we're very excited about seeing how, how players sort of engage with the content on release with that more sort of social and coordination heavy aspect. Uh, you just answered a ton of my questions in that. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate when people go deep like that. Um, another part to it is that when you're going through this dungeon, you can see that there's like a lot of mini bosses and different events that are like sort of mixing it up. So when you're like designing these encounters, was that like a very, um, obviously it's a deliberate thing. You've designed design uh, you design things deliberately, but uh, what's the inspiration behind that? Are you trying to like mix up the meta for uh, dungeons? Yeah, I think particularly when you have longer form content like this, you, you want to have these moments of breakup, right, in in the gameplay. You want to have some fresh moments that, you know, it's 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 always fun to to fight different creatures, but after a while, it's like, can we can we think of sort of a, sort of a twist on on what we're doing here to kind of freshen up the experience? And so you might be familiar with one of sort of the major things regarding that in Dawn of the Infinite is this this sort of gauntlet you have to run through to it's it starts in the second half of the of the dungeon and you have to sort of run through a bunch of these infinite dragonflight that are trying to like stop you and you have the speed boost from chromie and it's it's a it's a non-combat moment but it's a fun twist on you know our gameplay and it trying to interject things like that i think we feel is important to help it's, it's not even just about freshening up the experience. It's about making the experience feel more immersive and more alive. Like, you know, just different ways to interact with characters. Like, for example, having a reason for Chromie to give you that speed boost. You know, it feels in line with what you'd expect from Chromie. She's supporting you. And it's just ways to try to integrate all that in a, in, 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 in a sequence that feels satisfying for players. And you mentioned, you know, there's there's some little um, set piece moments like you land in a in a and an infinite Drake comes flying and lands in front of you. And it, those little things I think help a lot to sell the experience as a, as an experience beyond just the, the gameplay. Yeah. Um, there are those moments that are a little more cinematic, definitely more immersive. Um, there are also a couple of bosses that are, are challenging if you're not paying attention so thinking of Chromie and uh, when we're dealing with her evil counterpart, Morchi, uh, there is a mechanic where you are tracking to figure out which one ha has the debuff. Is this something where you are trying specifically to combat people using like weak ores just to be like, that's the one, go, uh, go after it? Yeah, I think when we design mechanics like that, we're, we, we try to come up with new ways for players to like read and react to situations, right? Something that's maybe different than, you know, dodging a, a swirly on the ground or, you know, things that players are very familiar with. And so mechanics like this are just a way for us to kind of harken back to my last answer, a way to sort of freshen up the the, the play pattern and the thinking pattern that players have to, have to do. Um, with that being said, you know, we always uh, take into account like accessibility and we want to make sure that players feel like they're able to parse information in, in a way that is, is reasonable. And so that type of stuff always comes, you know, from tuning and making sure that, you know, we feel that players have enough time to make the decision of which, which Morchi is the real Morchi and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think um, in terms of, uh, you know, combating weak ores and, and whatnot, I think it's just for us, it's more about um, just introducing different ways for, for players to make a decision about what they're actually looking at on screen. And like, what they're seeing a character do and then they they see that and they're able to make what feels like a cool uh 
decision, right? Like I literally am watching this character do an animation and I'm making a gameplay decision about that. We think that we think that's a, that's a, that, that's a, that's a fun gameplay pattern. Also, I mean, as Steven's uh, touched on a couple of times, like when we think of mega dungeons, a lot of what we discuss in, with amongst ourselves is like, they're, they're like mini raids, right? They're like a small raid, but not only does it, do we mean that when we talk about it from just the pure cinematic and storytelling aspect and, you know, the duration of it, you know, it's an eight boss dungeon. That's pretty awesome. Um, but also from the perspective of, you know, the mechanical choices that the team makes, right? That that amount of coordination that you might require from a raid is also something that you would see in a mega dungeon where normally we have a pretty clean line almost in the sand where, all right, this is a dungeon mechanic, you know, thou shalt not use that in a dungeon. It's okay to use it in a raid. Or this is more, we think of it as a mini raid, not only from, you know, from, from multiple perspectives, as well as the amount of coordination that we might expect, all the way up to things of, of like the duration of the encounter, right? Like a normal dungeon boss we might have. Um, we usually aim for like a two minute mark where um, a mega dungeon bosses we talk about being quite a bit longer than that in terms of duration, which which also frees up more time or gives you more time to experiment with things like phase changes and, and stuff like that. So really it's an opportunity for that the, the team to do some awesome stuff there. Along the lines of uh, thinking of this as a raid encounter, um, when you're balancing a raid, especially at the higher difficulties where you can bank on a certain amount of people, you're able to bank on particular utility. But in a five-man team, it there's no chance that a team can be guaranteed to have specific utility. How do you like offset that in your balancing? Is it just that th this is a separate category of, no, we can't do this because there's no way that they could have a priest or a uh, drac there to do the rescue slash grip? Or like, what's the uh, thought process when you're doing those encounter designs? Definitely. I mean, we certainly want to make sure that, you know, uh, regardless of the level of coordination required that we're being accessible to, you know, all, all of our players. And that means, you know, all, all of their classes and, and their specs. I think we certainly want to still represent, you know, in some encounters, some specs or classes might have a specific moment to really shine, but that does not mean that it's like a requirement for them to be there. That's certainly not something that we would intentionally, uh, you know, want to do with, like you mentioned, a smaller group like this, because it's with, with less people, there's that much more, you know, of an impossibility that you can assume every class is going to be there. Obviously it's, it's not possible because there's only five people. So um, definitely when we're balancing in terms of coordination, we, we like to think more about uh, general gameplay roles, not so much specific specs or classes when it comes to a smaller group size. Like for example, knowing that um, a mechanic might have a window where it would be good to have a group buff that buffs damage, right? There is a lot of classes and specs that, that, that can do that. And I mean, in particular, um, augmentation <laughs> of ochre will be able to do that obviously but you know they're shamans with with you know um heroism or bloodlust you know lo lots of classes can can do a a haste buff at this point so it's it's things like that where we know that we have combat roles um that are not literally like being a tank healer or dps but there there are moments for that type of, of of class and 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 gameplay pattern to shine but it's certainly not something that we feel you know is is a requirement, nor should it be. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, philosophically, when we talk about encounter design, you know, we think of it as creating a puzzle for the players to solve, right? And often when we discuss that, we want there to be a lot of different ways to approach these encounters. We don't, 
really feel like the best approach is to say, this is exactly how you beat this fight. You must cast this exact spell, right? Because then there's not much discovery there. The player lacks a lot of agency in if we approach things like that way versus like, hey, you've got a bunch of tools. You can solve this in a number of different ways. Like as long as you've got some form of mobility, you can kind of counteract this ability. And lots of classes have mobility options, right? So really we look at it as... We're creating interesting puzzles. The combat team is const is giving us really fun tools and utility that we can then leverage. And often we'll try to find ways to create as many potential possibilities in terms of how you solve that problem uh, amongst your own group. Because that's a lot of fun interactions with like the talent system pop up in that regard, right? Or when you walk up to an encounter, you're like, ooh, okay, hold on. We just wiped, but I bet if I change my spec around a little bit here, that'll give us the tools now to, to counteract that ability that we might not have had last attempt. So really that kind of uh, interplay between the, 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 co the core classes and the encounters is what really creates a lot of exciting gameplay. Conversely, um, when you're looking at doing affixes in Mythic Plus, that seems like it would add additional con uh, like constraints on how you would design things. Thinking back to season one, how you had to create certain areas or times where uh, Thundering couldn't trigger just so you wouldn't have like those unfortunate lineups. It, like obviously that's a recent example, but uh, there's obviously gameplay examples that would be like that, like Sanguine happening right when you get pulled into something or whatever. Um, do you have like a sort of list of mechanics that you don't do because you've now introduced uh, new affixes? Oh, you mean specifically for um, the like season two dungeons, or do you mean with uh, Dawn of the Infinite? With with Dawn of the Infinite, but I guess it's more a general uh, philosophy when you're designing now. Is that you you're looking at designing Dawn of the Infinite, and you say, okay, I don't want to have this thing happen because afflicted might happen, or we can't have a bunch of speed mobility things because right then and then and there you could get entangling, and that can cause like you know the bad luck. Uh, everybody complains because, ah, oh, the dungeon screwed me. Right. Yeah. I mean, certainly, um, you know, we, we removed quaking, for instance, um, with season two, but that was one of those areas where we're like, you know, you would constantly kind of see like the, the community posts of the little video of like, look at this boss mechanic, right as quaking hit and we all died. What did you, what did you want from me game? Right. So yeah, those are certainly areas where we are always taking into consideration how those interactions might kind of play together. Um, so we discussed that as we, are building dungeons certainly so dawn of the infinite i'm sure that's something that the group has been discussing but yeah there are for sure areas where we look at design options and um try to think of how can we incorporate as much you know potential class utility as possible right like i want to say it's um um uh, afflicted right where that is a an affix that was added that there's actually a lot of different ways to approach that problem like it's not just this one specific thing solves it there's a lot of um alternative ways to to um approach that problem so yeah that's often something that the group talks about for sure well i know you guys are squeezed for time so i just want to ask one last question before i let you go um these dungeons, uh, mega dungeons, have been such a great success and people love them. You guys are pumping out content faster than ever before. Is there a point where you're going to consider doing more than one mega dungeon in a particular uh, expansion without promising anything? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, we love uh, explore exploring the mega dungeon space, you know, 
that's one of the joys of World of Warcraft is that there's such a wide breadth of players uh, and and content that they find interesting, right? So like there's the players that love raids and the players that love dungeons or the outdoor world. So we're always looking to create content and an experience that is as satisfying for you know as diverse and broad a range of uh, players as possible. So you know often we just kind of follow uh, follow our nose, you know what makes sense for the story, but also what what kind of content do we think would be exciting right now for the player base? And um, that's something that we will continue to, you know, philosophically um, kind of guide us and determine kind of what direction the content goes in the game. But, you know, as with all things in, in World of Warcraft, you know, community feedback is tremendously valuable to us. And we're always listening and excited to hear what the players think about uh, the content we're building and what else they would find fun and interesting. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. Speaking for myself, I love Mega Dungeons. I love Dungeons in general. So any Dungeons that release after uh, the initial eight so far uh, is eagerly anticipated by my, myself and many of my friends. Great. Awesome to hear. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, Manny. Have yeah, a good day, thanks. guys.